Hey y'all, welcome back to Erase the State. Maddie K here. We are back on the air with one of our favorite guests, Dexter De La Paz himself. Dex, how's it going, man? Oh, I am doing outstanding. I am <laughs> so ready to be back with you guys. I've That's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. I know you've been a little down lately, if anybody watches the timeline. So I think maybe this might have uh, pulled you out of your funk a little bit by getting to research what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's been a rough few months anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, actually, so we were just talking earlier that, that you know, Mikey Two Names is not on the show today. Uh, Whiskey Priors not on the show today. Um, and I really wanted to have him on because he and I were talking about this and it was kind of his idea, I guess. I don't know. So, you know, we, we all went to government school and, and we learned about world war two. And as I remember it, um, you know, we, <laughs> we dropped a couple of bombs and killed a bunch of people in Japan. And that's how America won world war two for the allies. Right, pause. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I hate to break it to you, but as everyone's favorite Taiwanese fascist, Triple D himself, has proven extensively, the U.S. did not, in fact, win World War II. Imperial Japan did. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> okay, so, so is this really a Triple D thing, or is this like... Did this exist outside of him? That I cannot say. No matter how many pages of search results I go through on DuckDuckGo, mm -hmm. no matter how many archaic esoteric Twitter accounts I visit, no matter what sources I search out, I have never been able to find anyone claim it except him and the occasional oddball podcast that he's been on. Nice. So... So, so I'm willing to call it a him exclusive, but I don't okay. know that for a fact. So I think I think you can you can correct me if if I'm wrong, but I think you have some points laid out uh, to make his slash your case that, <laughs> that Japan in fact <laughs> won World War II. Um, I, I will preface this by saying, as is usual, I did absolutely zero research before <laughs> before we decided to record. Um, and I have heard this. I, I don't know if it came from from him, from Triple D, because I am not um, a Mr. Dietrich connoisseur, as it were. Um, but I, I do know that the the main argument, right, is that people will, and I think we, we mentioned this maybe on the Our Nukes Real show, um, as a brief aside, but people will cite the picture of the signing of the, uh, what do we call that? What, what the fuck was the, the you know what I'm talking about? What, what did, what did the Japanese yeah, emperor the, or whatever? The, the piece the, on the battleship that ended the war. Yeah. So people say the, that the, the flag signing. was upside down, right? So that, that's, that's all I know about yes. this. So, so if that's where you want to start, start there. If not, we can come around to that. Well, I figure we'll just hit whatever information we've got kind of conversationally. I don't, I did not lay out a doc, uh, document like I planned to. I've got the ah, talking okay. points ready. No worries. But, uh, no worries. So if we, if we want to start there, the main thrust of that argument 
was that a satanic, uh, pedophilic <laughs> branch of the U.S. government sent MacArthur there to sign the peace, and they did so with uh, their own imagery embedded in it so that their affiliates would know what was happening, but so that it would also be sufficiently disguised from the public that the public would think it was legit in order to hide the truth. Now, that okay. symbology is, like you said, the inversion of the flag. Sorry, I'm just kind of duck duck going on the side here to see if I can find that image. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm sure even if you find it with the flag correctly aligned, they'll just scream gaslighting. Yeah. Which, yeah. to be fair, photo editing technology is real. Sure. So, you know, it's kind of an unfalsifiable claim, but... uh. Yeah, I, I so too have an illegally downloaded story copy goes, of Photoshop. Right. The story goes that after that piece was signed, it was the U.S., not Japan, that was forbidden from ever going to war again. And that's why every war the U.S. has been actively involved in since then has been called a police action, or, you know, literally anything except calling it a war, why there's been no formal declarations of war, and why there's always a UN coalition with us so that we can pretend it's not our war as the uh, that Satan cult's workaround of the peace they assigned with the Japanese Empire. So what, what was the reasoning then, assuming this is true, what, what is the reasoning behind satanic cults wanting to align themselves with Japan. Absolutely no reasoning is given in that regard. <laughs> Just that <laughs> they course. happen to be the ones in power and they're the ones that signed the peace, you know? Okay. Um, but if we want to get maybe into a little bit about how it started and how things happened and just see where the conversation kind of goes. Yes, please. The story, as it goes from Mr. Dietrich, starts off with his very common spiel, his sort of autobiography, what he tells everyone, that he worked in document destruction for the Department of Defense as a contractor, and that he would stop and read all these uh, top-secret and above-top-secret documents before destroying them, and then before incinerating them. Sure. And he claims to have seen UN memos and, you know, just the whole boogeyman laundry list of proof. But then, you know, because he wanted to keep his job, he destroyed them all like a good boy. And according to him, the U.S. actually started the war in 1937 when the American volunteer air wings, you know, the famous Flying Tigers, were fighting for nationalist China against Japan. Hmm. Interesting. But that yeah, was... Yeah, and see... But, but that's like, I mean... Why, why did what's the official story on why Japan came into the war though? Well, I mean, the official story is that they ambushed us at Pearl Harbor over oil embargoes, right? That's the official so, story, but they're saying, but according so, to or, Mr. Dietrich, yeah, according to Mr. Dietrich, the war really started in the 30s because the U.S. was sending volunteer air forces to fight with the Chinese when Japan invaded them in the mid 30s. Does he mean the whole of World War World War Two or just the the Pacific? Specifically the war in the Pacific, yeah. Okay, gotcha. That that's why I was a little confused. As as if I needed more reason to be confused. <laughs> right. 
Right. Okay, so so we go fight for the Chinese, piss off the Japanese, who were at that time, I guess, bitter enemies of the Chinese. And they decide... Well, you tend to be bitter enemies when you invade mainland China. But... Sure. And so they, they decide to retaliate and attack us at Pearl Harbor. Yes? Right, which okay. is where the gaslighting that is official history begins. Okay. And so where does he go from there? From there, he goes on to explain that Hirohito was actually a biologist and a chemical weapons expert. Oh, boy. And that throughout the war in China, he had been developing porcelain bombs filled with H1N1 influenza and all sorts of other super special diseases that he had been testing on the Chinese. Yeah, that he'd been testing on the Chinese civilians. And he goes on to claim that as the U.S. tried to island hop their way through the Pacific War, that that was only 10% of the Japanese army at that point because the majority of the proper Japanese army was still fighting in mainland China up until the end. Mm. So now, as this is all going on then, Hirohito is working on specialized stealth blimp bomber fleets that could reach the U.S. So what World War II, the war in the Pacific, boils down to from the Dietrichian perspective <laughs> is that the U.S., <clears throat> took four years to fight their way through the Japanese Marines, which was a total of 10% of their forces, when they realized that in 1945, the Chinese had finally capitulated to the Japanese and that Japan was able to bring around their entire actual army, they deployed the nuclear weapons. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Douglas claims that the bomb was never meant to be dropped on Nagasaki, but that the plane sprung a fuel leak and dropped it randomly over Japan out of fear that they wouldn't be able to get back with that heavy of a payload while they were leaking fuel. Now, he actually contradicts himself a little bit here, though, because in other interviews, he'll claim that the bombings were legit, just that we firebombed them, not dropped nukes. Hmm. So as is common in these circles, he's changing his story. Sure. Tie in back to our previous discussion on this topic. So, what was the intended target then? Does he say that? The intended target was the Japanese national stockpile, you know, where they were storing Uh, all their guns and weapons on the main islands. Sure. Which, you know, as far as it goes, that does make a lot more sense than a civilian target. Well, unless you believe the actual narrative, it's kind of just a racist attack, but... Yeah, well, see, now in here, that kind of brings me to another talking point we should discuss. Well, he is adamant that Hirohito had the biological weapons capable of winning the war and was ready to deploy them via blimp fleet. He also said that the U.S. was working on chemical and biological weapons, which, you know, obviously they were, but not on the scale he's talking. Sure. And that they were trying to develop a weapon that would target specifically Asian people to literally depopulate all of Asia. Holy shit. (laughs) Okay. So, you know what, what good that would do having all that empty land with nobody in it. I can't begin to guess, but was, you know, if I, if I could see inside, well, 
that's a whole nother conversation, isn't it? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that's really the most of it. You know, he just really talks himself in circles around these claims. He goes on a big, long spiel about how the U.S. has a monopoly on helium, and therefore the Japanese had to fuel their blimps with other lighter-than-air chemicals. I don't remember which one he cited. But that allegedly, because they made their bomber blimps out of silk and these and uh, propelled them with this other chemical, that they could fly much higher and much faster than a standard Western dirigible, and that this would have allowed them to, in fact, actually reach the U.S. West Coast in time to do their bombings. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so he also claims is... that's the he claims that what went down at Roswell uh-huh. was actually one of these blimps. And that's why UFOs are so suppressed, because the U.S. government doesn't want the truth getting out that it was actually a Japanese secret weapon. Okay, so, all right, if we're done on World War II, this is something we can definitely talk about. <laughs> is there any more there, or is that, that that's pretty much it with a bow on it? Yeah, I mean, there's the other bits and pieces, but that's really the main thrust of all of it. All of his talking points devolve back down to those things. The U.S. Okay. started it, Japan finished it, and they were ready to deploy weaponized H1N1 against us if we didn't comply. So, okay. So for Roswell, is, isn't Dietrich like a big UFO guy? Like an alien guy? Not aliens, no. He's huge okay. with UFOs, but he's pretty adamant that it's not beings from other planets. He claims that the bodies allegedly, and in his mind, actually retrieved at Roswell, were actually just malnourished Japanese pilots. Hmm. And that the U.S. mistook them for space travelers because we're all racist shitbags. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. So. Hmm. Interesting. Because I, so I, I do, you know, something happened at Roswell, clearly, right? And and what's funny is something happened that yeah. okay so if which may or may not have something to do with the Babylon working but um huh. so he claims that it was actually a blimp and our initial reports were that something fell out of the sky and then it was very quickly changed to ah just a weather balloon. So yes, that's the official story. Wouldn't wouldn't we have just run with the UFO thing if it were in fact a blimp, which is very much like a high altitude weather balloon? So the problem is is that if they had just flying saucers weren't really quite there in pop culture yet. Sure. You know, they couldn't dismiss it as something as wacky as that. They had to have some sort of plausible cover story because it wasn't a misdirection phenomena at that point yet. You know, UFOs weren't sure. a gaslighting technique of their own for at least another 15 to 20 years by that point. So that really wouldn't have been terribly viable. And I think the weather balloon panic story would make sense if it was in fact a silk blimp because the materials are going to be a lot more similar and be easier to downplay the wreckage that way. Okay. That's yeah. my personal opinion. I guess so. So, so where do you come down on that? Was it, was it a flying saucer from another planet or was it 
was it a Japanese blimp or was it a weather balloon? Man. <clears throat> or was it in fact tied to the Babylon working that was done in the desert? I think that if you put a gun to my head, <laughs> I would say that it's probably some sort of manifestation connected to Parsons' little project. That's, that's what I wanted to hear. And uh, <clears throat> all of that nonsense, all those scientific occultists. You know, a weather balloon, sure, fair enough. I'm sure they do fall out of the sky, and that makes all kinds of sense. But uh, why there was such a big cover-up over it and why so much got classified as a result of it mm -hmm. doesn't quite work. Sure. I'm not a believer in flesh and blood UFOs. And I think that Dietrich is possibly the greatest lol cow on the planet. <laughs> but I have a hard time taking too much of his stuff seriously. Sure, sure. So that, that forces me to conclude that it was probably some sort of manifestation related to what was going on with Oppenheimer and Parsons and Hubbard and all those guys who were literally jerking off in the desert within yes. a few years of 1947. Yeah, so for the people <laughs> listening at home who may or may not know who Jack Parsons is, why don't, why don't you give us a quick uh, primer on that? Well, he was basically the American father of rocketry. The JPL is the, what, the Jet Propulsion Laboratories? That's correct. He founded that. He got it off the ground. And while being brilliant in his own right, I mean, the man was obviously a legendary engineer. Absolutely. He was also deeply, deeply involved in the occult and was certain that by impregnating a certain person at a certain time in a certain place, he could usher in the end times. And when, when did they do the Babylon working? If you don't know, I'll look it up on the side. Uh, yeah, if you want to Google that real quick, I can't tell you the exact date. I, just, I, I wanted to line it up with um, Roswell. So this was, from Wikipedia, just a quick snippet here. Uh, the Babylon working was a series of magic ceremonies or rituals performed from January to March 1946 by author, pioneer, rocket fuel scientist, and occultist, Jack Parsons, and Scientology founder, L. Ron Hubbard. So, um, when was Roswell? That was June 47, is that right? Mid-47, yeah. So, roughly a year later. Okay. So, I, I don't know. I don't know how long it takes light and energy to manifest itself from interdimensional spaces, but... I don't know. I, I could see the, you know, they open a portal, right? And then at some, they forget to close it. And then at some, some point in the, the near future, something comes crashing through, if you will. Yeah. So here's the thing. Beings and forces from beyond time and space don't exactly obey our ideas, our ideas of time and space all that sure. strictly. You know, they're not adherents of our calendars, but that being said, you know, it's not implausible because if you think about ultra terrestrial theory, mm -hmm. there is a school of thought that I'm partial to that they need materials from our world to be able to manifest into our world. So whether that was the birth of something or 
one of these creatures leftovers or X, Y, and Z other thing, it's not that outlandish as um, combined with ultra-terrestrial theory and Fortiana in general, that junk would just fall out of a sky as a result of a ritual completed in a different time and place. And in fact, that was the focus of Charles Fort's work as an author himself, was animals falling out of the sky, rains of blood, things that appeared in times and places where they literally couldn't in accordance with natural law. Sure. So, you know, that would make it a real mystery of high strangeness. And I think that's actually the most reasonable interpretation if you don't buy the official story. Okay. So you mentioned you think that they might, whatever these beings are, these entities are, that they might need some sort of material from our plane of existence, I guess, um, for lack of a better term. Do you have any theories on what that might be? So... The place that I run into that school of thought with the most and the place that I apply it the most is as it goes with actual cryptid creatures. Mm. You know, they need to consume flesh and blood or twigs and berries or X amount of whatever to be able to either maintain or to activate a physical form. Now, I think that depending on... I would speculate, rather. Let me use that word. I would speculate that it probably has more to do with the energy energy density of what they're consuming, how much they can then manifest in return. Because if all of life boils back down to energy production and atoms just aligning themselves properly, it would make sense that a denser material, you could harness more kinetic energy from it. I'm with you. Does that make any kind of sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely does. So, well, at least to us anyway, right? <laughs> right. Um, so. Yeah. Well, that's the huge caveat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you're so, down the rabbit hole, it's going to make sense. Right. <laughs> if you've seen the shit that we've read. Um, so do you think this is why, and I, maybe we have talked a bit about, about this. Maybe we have, I don't remember. Um, is this what you would attribute you know, like cattle mutilations and abductions and things like that too, but would be to, to some other entity trying to harness our energy or, or life forms energy from this, from this planet. I think that cattle mutilation specifically is a little too ritualistic and a little too clean for it to be that. But then I suppose if something here is offering up the cattle so that something else can then manifest with it later. Mm. That would become plausible. But I think many of those sort of similar phenomenon are probably somehow related to that, especially when you get into something like missing 411. Sure. You know, these people are vanishing straight into thin air. And, you know, if they're truly gone, if they got snatched up by something, then that something could use their energy to come back for another one later and literally feed that way. Sure. So what about, I guess I'll, I'll bring this up since it's sort of not in the news, but it's on the media, right? There's a new Skinwalker Ranch series out on one of the not-so-history channels, whichever one it is. Um, Gaia TV or something, maybe? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, or Discover America, maybe? So do you, 
do, do you attribute what's going on or, or purported to, to occur at Skinwalker Ranch to this type of activity, or do you think that's something wholly different? I think that area surrounding Skinwalker Ranch has had too many things happen at it, has had too many different weird phenomena to call it anything other than a, <clears throat> pardon me, to call it fine. anything other than a proper window area here on Earth. Okay. You know, it's seen UFOs, it's seen monsters, it's seen disappearances. There's nothing that hasn't happened there. So to attribute it all to one thing, I believe would be foolish, but it's certainly a window area where doing any of these things is significantly easier. You know, whether it's just the veil being weak or if it has something to do with the soil composition or if it's just been um, if it's just soaked up bad juju over time. <laughs> there's something about that place that makes it extremely easy to get up to weird shit there. OK, I'm with you. And so I guess since we're kind of going down this, we've, we've made a turn into the woo, right? Um, so. This is sort of related, and I was kind of joking the other day on Twitter when I mentioned this, but, you know, if, if we believe that, that well, you know, we, we should believe because they, they did it, whatever they were doing, Parsons and, and Oppenheimer and Hubbard, they were out in the desert jerking each other off, trying to uh, do some magic ritual to bring another world into our world, right? If they did, in fact, intentionally, accidentally, haphazardly, open a portal to another dimension. Um, you mentioned on Twitter that it's possible that CERN could be an operation to, to open a similar type portal. And I, I, th I think that's what you were mentioning. I, I, all I know is what I, what I responded with and it was that, well, maybe in some alternate timeline that CERN was actually created and operates to close the portal that those jack legs left open because they didn't know how to close it. What, yeah, what are you thinking so about any of that? I would clarify first that while Oppenheimer was doing his old own weird shit in the desert, he was not a part of the Babylon working group. That's true. My apologies. Rather, yeah, well, disambiguation I think is important, but sure. you know, I'm not throwing shade at you or anything. Just so the listeners are clear, I'm not making that implication because there's no reason to think it right now. You know, who knows what the rest of this insane fucking year will hold for us, but... <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, no shit. To your, to your point, CERN has been the target of conspiracy theorists of all stripes, literally since it opened. And a long-standing theory, the one they all fixate on, is that they are trying to smash these particles the way that they are to tear a rift in reality whether that's by opening a miniaturized black hole or whether it's an actual magical process, that's all up to the particular theorist and whatever their favorite ideas are. So, you know, I like to play to that trope. There is a lot of weird stuff there, like a statue of a Hindu deity right out front of the building. Mm. But, you know, whether or not they've actually succeeded, I doubt we'd ever know. And, Really, the reason we're talking about this, right, is because of that small Twitter exchange. 
I really did love that as a new entry <laughs> to the genre of CERN conspiracy, though, is that it's actually a white hat project to seal any number of rifts that have been torn open over time. I'm and, not quite sure how the mechanics of that would work. Sure. But that that does miracles to revive a person's faith in humanity to think that we're trying <laughs> to fix an error. Well, because I, I've certainly heard that that uh, put out there, right? That that I, I think it was it was it Crowley that he was going around saying that man, they didn't know what they were doing out there. They left everything open. They're they're sloppy with their work, right? And Yes. Yeah. And so, whether that was jealousy or if he right. was just critiquing their craft, it's, it's hard to know. Sure. But by and the so time I was just, well, I, I was thinking it, it doesn't even have to be a white hat organization. What if they're just part of, you know, we can go with the, the conspiracy theorists on this one and say they're still evil Luciferians, but what if they're the cleanup crew and just like, Oh my God, all this shit's all fucked up because these jack legs left it out open in the desert and we have to now clean up behind them. Yeah, you know, I don't know, obviously, <laughs> if any CERN employees are members of the Order of the Golden Dawn, but if there's any connection there, that would make ripe fodder for that idea. Hmm. Yeah, and it, it's well known that Parsons was a disciple of Crowley pretty directly until Parsons met Hubbard, who kind of seduced him into thinking that he was the equal of Crowley, which uh. obviously, as an occultist, he wasn't. In sure. many other ways, he far surpassed him as a human being. But now, was was Hubbard? Sorry to kind of back up here, but was was he fully engrossed in in his new religion at that time, or was he still just a, a failed sci fi writer? At that time, he had not developed his cult yet. Okay. He was still doing his own thing, working through failed attempts, trying to find a good grift for himself. Okay. And it worked. You know, he extorted huge amounts of money from Parsons. And at one point, if I'm remembering correctly, he even ran away with the guy's wife and yacht. Yeah, I believe that's also correct. And and I must say, he found a great grift, and what a great grift it is, because that motherfucker pays. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I so mean, that, I that's don't... that's kind of that story. Hubbard's yeah, a tangential I... piece of what we're discussing right now. I, uh... I don't have much else. Um, what, what have you been working on? I, I know you probably haven't had, you know, a lot of time to, to get out and do any exploring or anything, but any new happenings in, in the Dogman world or have you visited any spooky sites recently? I have not been out much. You know, the winter's just now coming to an end and we're getting into the spring. I devoted a significant time of my recent unemployment to screaming loudly about the coming happenings, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for all the people who chose to listen and I'd be very happy to disambiguate my exact beliefs on it all to anyone who wanted to talk to me about it, but it's become a rather contentious subject. Uh, that all said, you know, that's been the project that's soaking up most of my time particularly trying and failing to get more information on uh, Professor Lieber, the U.S. national who was arrested for working with the Chinese and was having money laundered to him through Wuhan right before that all started. But that's so fresh that it's basically a dead end. I, 
I, I don't know if I know anything about this. I, I might have missed all of this on Twitter. Well, it's pretty easy to miss because Twitter's search algorithm has been changed very explicitly to suppress alleged disinformation on the subject. So, but yeah, um, yeah, go go ahead, man. December, what do you what do you think is happening, and who the hell is this Doctor Lieber? And feel free, let her rip. So he was a department chair at Harvard, who was arrested in. The very early stages of February, I believe, was the formal arrest date. But he was first busted by the U.S. government in the end of December. And his whole thing was, you know, what he's being charged as, what the court documents will reflect, is that he was taking money in grants from both the U.S. and from the PRC, and that he violated finance laws in the process. You know, he was doing something to get his beak wet in both places. Mm -hmm. But what becomes extremely interesting is that his grants originated from the Wuhan virology lab. You know, that's created such a brouhaha for obvious reasons. Sure. So he was catching money from there. He was catching his U.S. money in Harvard. And at exactly, well, at exactly the same time he was arrested, two Chinese nationals were also arrested here in the U.S. at other colleges, one of which he had a not a teaching position, but a sort of honorary position at for doing all sorts of um, research theft and sabotage, including some claims that one of them was trying to steal disease samples. And that part of it has not been verified. But what has been verified is that one of those two Chinese nationals was, in fact an active serving lieutenant in China's armed forces. And okay. So they, the two Chinese nationals were arrested in the U S right? Yes. Yeah. They were not the, literally arrested with Lieber, but the announces were arrested at the same time. And all three of them were kind of doing the same thing. Where was the good doctor arrested? Was he arrested here or was he arrested in Wuhan? He was arrested here in the U.S. I believe okay. he was formally taken into custody at his home. Interesting. No, this is, I've not heard any of this. So how does, what do you, what do you think happened? Was this, was he doing something with, you know, whatever novel coronavirus we have on, on the prowl right now? Or, or was this, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on this whole, just, just take us back to, to the, the outbreak, if you will. What, why are we here? So as far as what I'm willing to say right here, right now about it, mm -hmm. I will just suffice to say that I do not believe for a second that it came from a wet food market, except perhaps secondarily, mm -hmm. because other labs in China are well known to sell their research animals when they're done testing them. So, you know, if some idiot sells one bat to the wrong place, then Maybe it technically came from a wet food market that way, but that's obviously then not what actually caused it, right? Right, right. You know, so I think its origins were probably from one of those labs, whether it's the virology lab or the weapons facility that's also in that city. You know, I don't think it's possible to say which. I think that uh, something somehow got out of the lab, either intentionally or accidentally, 
and then spread like wildfire while being actively suppressed by the PRC. And so how do you think Dr. Lieber and the two Chinese nationals that were arrested here, one of which is lieutenant, how do, you, how do they tie into all of this? What, what was their role? So the connection will show, the paperwork will show that Lieber was receiving his grants from that same virology lab in Wuhan for doing research with them. Now, what that research was, you know, disease is actually a little bit out of his wheelhouse. What he mm -hmm. does is he is a nanotechnology guy. He does a lot of biochemistry work. But that's even fucking worse. And, well, his most recently published paper, I believe it, I looked it up and it was in 2017. And he was working on some kind of nano mesh product for medical applications mm -hmm. that can be fact checked. And if I'm wrong, please correct me, but it's, it's within that field is what he was doing. So he's working on those sort of projects. He's doing it, getting paid by the U S and by China with the money and then money sourced from that facility. And, you know, allegedly his research for them going then back to it, if that's the nexus point. And then all of this happens right before news comes out of Wuhan that this thing's gotten loose and that China couldn't keep a lid on it anymore. So you know, you it, it's fair to say that we don't know when the outbreak actually started in China. Sure. We just know that news of it broke in the West a day or two for the first time after Christmas. So do you think his work at the facility in Wuhan was nefarious or do you think he was just helping maybe with could have been researching this specific coronavirus and then somehow else it got out. I think that we know the U S government is extremely petty and greedy, you know, again, obviously, mm -hmm. but it's probably not in their best interest to go around a, arresting academics left and right for filing their grant paperwork wrong and doing financial crimes, you know, just reasonably speaking. And so that leads me to believe that he was doing something else, but just based on available information, I couldn't begin to speculate what he was actually doing or why. Hmm. Okay. So do you think there's any veracity? Well, before I ask that question, what about the two Chinese nationals? What what were they doing here? Well, we know for a fact that they were stealing research from the universities that they'd been, you know, assigned to. Okay. One of them was Boston University or okay. Boston College, you know, BC. Now, whether or not they were successful or what they were doing again, that part of it hasn't come out yet. Only that they were caught doing things they shouldn't have been doing. Okay. But there are rumors, allegations, talk in all the usual suspect circles that one of them was trying to smuggle out um, biological samples for something when they were arrested. Interesting. So now I forget what I was going to ask, but oh, yes. Yeah, so I, it kind of ties into this. So is there any veracity to the claim that it was kind of made early on, but I think it got poo-pooed really quickly by a lot of different camps. Um, that any of this, you know, there's the story of 
HIV being created in the Canadian lab and all of this, right? So, which is, it's fun to explore when you're, when you're bored. Yeah. Is there, is there any truth to uh, a connection between this strain of coronavirus and that Canadian lab? And would, would Dr. Dietrich and, or whatever his name is, Dr. Lieber, rather. It's Lieber, right? Not Lieberman. Lieber. Lieber, yeah. Yeah. Would he have had any involvement with that facility and or the, the Chinese nationals, would they have had any involvement with that facility? As far as the Canadian lab with the Chinese infiltrators, however long ago that was now, mm-hmm. I, Lieber did not have any connection there that I'm aware of. Okay. And whether that had that lab itself had any connections to Wuhan, I'm unclear about as well. Okay. Though, you know, I can say, and I don't want to blow this one up, but that Bill Gates did fund that Canadian lab and the Wuhan facility. Mm, you know, whether it was so just delicious. pennies or large sums, you know. Frankly, people like him, they throw their money at everything, so mm-hmm. it could just be a coincidence, but we're not here to talk coincidences. We're here to tug on the scarlet thread and have some fun, right? There you go. <laughs> so I had also heard, and I forget exactly how this ties in, but maybe you have heard the same thing and can kind of expound on it a little bit. But, you know, when we were um, on the brink of, of some skirmish with, with Iran, whenever that was, last year, early this year, can't remember now, you know, Iran shot down a, was it Czech? Or was it Ukrainian? It was a Ukrainian airliner, right? It was a Ukrainian airliner filled with Canadian-Iranian dual citizens. Yes, that's where I'm going with this. And so, so I heard, and I think it was just some randos thread on Twitter, right? Or maybe it was some quick report that came out. And I don't, I don't know. I didn't do any research on on it. I don't know if it came from one of these you know, like actual fake news sites or just some like clickbait type site. But (coughs) what was being posited at the time was that the Canadians who were on board were explicitly connected to the research facility in Canada and that this virus was at least worked on, if not originated from that facility. Somehow, Somebody didn't make the plane, I think is how the story went, and was in Wuhan trying to get back to that facility. And while the authorities were attempting to uh, arrest him, he ran. And at some point, while having a sample on him in a glass vial, as you would, very cinematic, <laughs> fell. And, and the glass vial also fell out of the pocket and breaks. And then that's when you have the outbreak. I, I don't know if you had seen yeah, that. that and, that and if sounds, you did see that. I have not. <laughs> okay. I have not seen that. Did you bookmark that by any I did chance? not. And I wish I did. Because I, I don't remember where I saw it or, or how long ago it was. But I read that and I was like, oh my God. I might have to uh, ask Whiskey Priors. That's something I would love to just take a look at. Yeah, yeah. I might have to ask Whiskey Priors. Because I think I sent it to him. And maybe even if you're, if you're listening, uh, Texas Tsunami. Um, I, I might have sent it to you as well. So check back through your WhatsApp messages and let me know if <laughs> let me know if it's on there. Um, but yeah, so I, I heard that. 
I didn't save it. I wish I did because I was just kind of like, okay, this is fun, but like this is so far-fetched. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know, man. There could be something there. Yeah, you know, I remember hearing at the time that the plane was full of Canadian citizens. And that's as much as I hear remember hearing definitively. Whether there was more to it or not, I would not be comfortable saying or speculating again because I, I just don't know. Hmm. But that would make one heck of an interesting plot twist. Yeah. And I would say that it's got some very interesting synchronicities with the fact that the Iranian COVID outbreak is just insanely brutal as well. Exactly. So, you know, synchronicity at work, if not an actual connection. Sure, sure. And, you know, <sighs> there was that story about Iran digging mass graves visible mm -hmm. from space. Mm -hmm. That kind of felt like war propaganda kind of bullshit to me. Right. You know, I never even actually saw the images, but that was a story that was floating around for a while. I think personally the most interesting connection there is just the fact that Iran as a country was on the edge of complete civil collapse right before this happened. You know, if you remember, there were stories about Iranian central bank facilities being torched by rioters. Oh, that's right. So I'd be more interested in what happened regarding all of that. And that still, that, that tied in to all of the, the fighting that we were doing, right? Fighting how? Wasn't that sort of like a direct response, some of those riots and things to the, the, the killing of Suleimani? Some of it might have been, yeah. I don't, I can't say definitively. Hmm, it wouldn't make much sense why banks are being targeted if it was about us killing one of their national heroes. But well, if the people are already out there demonstrating in support or against him, then it's a pretty good cover, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be great cover for foreign operatives to get yeah, up to. For either, well, either an internal or external coup. You know, that's that, you got people in the streets anyway. Let's go fucking do it. So. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. But again, because we haven't gotten any more news about that since the COVID outbreaks, mm -hmm. who the hell knows? Well, the, the Scarlet Fred is, thread is definitely woven deeply, my friend. Yeah, it's bright neon red right now. So with with the whole, you know, lockdown and all that bullshit, which, are, are you locked down? Are you able to, like, leave and shit up there? So what our governor did was he issued what he called a safer at home announcement in which people were heavily encouraged to stay home whenever they could practice as much social distancing as they could. And he closed a small set of businesses, mm. primarily restaurants and whatnot. Sure. But he didn't lock down our whole state economy or anything. What so really still... happened up here is that oh, a yeah. lot of a lot of places, and at this point, a significant amount of places have closed voluntarily following the national lead without actually being commanded by the state government to do so. Gotcha. so it's it's not it's not a hard lockdown, but it's social pressure to adhere to just one. a lockdown by de facto yeah, but i I would like to point out that. 
as much shit as I talk and as much doom saying as I've been doing, I'm also walking the walk, literally, you know. Sure. I'm still going out every day. I'm still living my life. So, yeah, I'm not going out every day just because I guess technically here, I don't all our listeners know if you listen for any period of time, I don't watch the news very closely. So I don't know exactly what the governor has done, even though he did issue some proclamation, I guess, whatever the fuck it was uh, this week, maybe the end of last week. And I didn't like it. I don't remember what it was. I just kind of brushed it off because I don't really give a fuck. Um, much like uh, Joe Exotic's campaign manager, technically, fuck the feds and every other government. So um, we, at least at the county level in, in our area here near Houston, um, they're sort of locked down. So, you know, Houston, giant city, encompasses most of Harris County. Uh, they're, they're locked down. Uh, Galveston County is the same, which is to the south. Uh, I'm in Fort Bend County, which is to the west, and they, you know, have effectively locked down. There's no teeth behind it, but it's it's pretty much there was just pressure on businesses to not be open. Um, and I think in in Harris County there there was actually like some mandatory closures for for non-essential businesses. Um, I don't think we have a mandatory closure in our county, but enough people have just closed anyway that it's like you know I don't go out every day because there's nowhere to fucking go. Um, and right. I'm unemployed, so I don't want to burn up the gas in my truck. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. That's but I did I'm go out the other day and, and play play poker at Mikey Two Names' uh, dad's house. So that was fun. So fuck your social distancing. None of us are sick. Well, you don't know if you're sick. There's a large, large segment of people who carry asymptomatically. Sure, but. And, and we we may. Remember, I, I did. I don't know but if you that's listened to that a, show. The odds but, are actually relatively low that you are carrying. Right, right. So. And, and I don't know if you listened to the show that, like, I think it was our first one back. But I, I did go to New Orleans. Like, the, the I was there the weekend that they closed the city, basically. So, um, we were we were in the hot spot for for South Louisiana. Yeah, even if that were the case, it would be well out of your system by now if you ever sure. got it in the first place. Sure. Which you can very reasonably and safely be skeptical of. Right. So with all of this going on, this is kind of why I asked the question or started that 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 line of questioning with the lockdowns, quarantines, and all of this. What are your thoughts on what's and we don't have to get like too, you know, like spooky or anything, but like What's happening behind the scenes that we're that we're missing while all of this is going on? And I, I I'm seeing that you know people are saying, and I'm not like some super anti five G guy, but they're saying, well, now there's five G towers going up everywhere, and of course there's no plane. Well, travel, rioters so we are destroying five G towers in Britain. Really? If you've been keeping up with that at all? Yeah, something like five of them have been torched in England. Holy shit! I have not seen that. So and and but as as far as what's going on behind the scenes though to actually answer your question mm -hmm. you know I'm not really particularly an anti-vax guy I don't take them voluntarily generally cuz I just don't feel the need to Sure you know I I know how to treat a flu at home if I catch something bad I can deal with it and I always have to this point, you know, I Usually can't handle last time handle I was whiskey, a half pack of cigarettes works for me. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> um, an herbal tincture or two when it's yeah. really bad, but yeah. 
you know, as far as what's going on in the background, the Bill Gates connections are huge. People think that the vaccine that's going to come out for it is going to finally be the Mark of the Beast Herald this time because they've finally perfected the digital certificates that have been so much talked about with the vaccine. And, you know, for what it's worth, that absolutely meshes with their theorizing. It's not an unreasonable conclusion for them to draw with their set of priors. There's also the whole 5G thing. There's some speculation that 5G may be what's actually causing the COVID thing and that the disease is made up as cover for 5G poisoning. Personally, I think that line of thinking's pretty extremely unreasonable. I think the big push for the 5G rollout now is the change in social norms. Mm-hmm. You know, governments expand their power by creating fear. The war on terror, they thought, would be a masterpiece because finally you're fighting an enemy that can't be seen or defined. Now, 15, 20 years later into that, they're seeing, hey, this wasn't quite enough. It's time for the next push. So I'd say that while I think COVID-19 is a real disease, I think it is bad and it is significant and it should not be downplayed. I think that the state response to it is going to be far worse than the disease itself. You know, I am comfortable saying it's a major pandemic but I am not comfortable saying that's the worst of the worst because I think we're about to see the beginnings of a true honest to God police state here in the U S you know, they are explicitly creating precedences to be manipulated in the future. And now as if that weren't all bad enough, you can hear me as far back as the fag cast new year special. And then again at the beginning of February, on the Gaslight Hour and other places, speculating with my good friend, and I'm assuming yours too, the world's smartest G-man. Absolutely. That an economic collapse is going to be following right behind all of this, because even before this started, the global economy was already being held together with duct tape and toothpicks at that point. And that's being generous. You know, the House of... Yeah, the House of Cards was already falling. And now this also creates a perfect cover environment for them to try and ultimately fail to control the explosion, or more properly phrased, the implosion of the globalized economy. You left me speechless. Yeah, well, I mean... Sorry, I I don't... (laughs) I don't know. Again, I'm just a... I'm a freaking lunatic, right? Who the hell's going to believe what I've got to say, but... Yeah, I don't know. I've been doomsaying about this from the beginning. My slogan has literally been, the virus is bad, the effects will be worse. That's been my position the whole time, and I'm willing to stand on that. So, I like it. I think that's the title of the episode now. Yeah, well, you know, we've spent longer talking about that than we did with our Dougie D icebreaker. That's true. That's And I was watching your Twitter feed, you know, a little bit off and on today, and I was like, holy shit, this is going to be outstanding. And I guess there's just not enough out there for that one, so... <laughs> Well, the thing is, the guy made made it all up whole cloth. Right, right. And if you know anything about the dude, he loves talking in circles. So there was never going to be a whole, whole lot. But for anyone who really wants to dig into it, I did tweet links to the YouTube videos discussing it. 
so nice. you know just scroll my twitter feed for today april 8th and you'll find them boom all right well i think we've reached the end so uh plug away my friend yeah so my name is well my pseudonym rather i should say is dexter de la paz you can find me at my twitter handle dogman respecter where i am the most active i have a home podcast the gaslight hour please give us a listen and a follow we are top 100 on itunes in our subcategory so you know we're good shit nice what else? I have an archive on the Crypto Project Library, LBRY, where I've kind of just been archiving all my guest appearances on podcasts that aren't the Gaslight Hour. So if you're curious who I've been on with and who I've talked to, check that out. The channel name is Dogman Respector 2, or it will show up if you just search Dogman Respector. Part Wait. of their whole deal is they assigned a numeric value to it. I don't no why oh, okay but. i was gonna say there there was already a dogman respecter taken <laughs> no there wasn't they just tacked a number on the end of it when i registered it gotcha <laughs> and if people want to uh, donate to your to yeah. your dogman research how do we do that yeah if you are interested in contributing to the cause whether it be through equipment upgrades park passes to get out in the field whatever you may choose to do so I have a pinned tweet on my Twitter profile. I take donations via PayPal, Bitcoin, and Cash App. There you go. Pause. Thanks, as always. One of our favorites Hold here on, on Race I to actually State. Have, uh, I actually have one more. I, oh, this is it. new, just this week. Okay. I've got it in my head, right? Podcasting, you typically want a handful of people talking so that you can avoid scripting monologues, right? Sure. Well, I've decided just as a personal project so that I can return more value to my fans, I'm going to start doing quote-unquote audiobooks. You know, just recording readings of various conspiracy scripts. So if you've got a book you want me to read, I will absolutely do it. I had planned to start with William Cooper's genre-defining classic, Behold a Pale Horse, Mm -hmm. but it turns out a friend has my paperback copy. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm probably going to end up starting with something else, but that you know, just on be on the lookout for, the for that. <laughs> well, it's not on hold. It's, I just, just won't that be one. starting with the one I want. Just that to title. <laughs> right. And that, that's right. the last of them. Sorry, I had to interrupt you there. No, 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 that's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm glad to, to have that on, on the airwaves now. So uh, anyway, guys, go give it a listen. Uh, the Gaslight Hour, go follow Pause on Twitter. Again, we love him here on the show. Y'all know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your dog man. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Cross the 57 Chevy with a hillbilly band. Had a little honky tonk filled with one night stands. Take a tell him fire with a gun so steel. In a dark house space just to seal the deal. Top 40 country, better watch your back Cause this hot rod's faster than your Cadillac